limestone cliffs. They were big. The stones were here to stay. The delicate, gorgeous temple made you gasp when you saw it. As this was the holiest place in all of Israel, the disciples most surely were in a state of awe and wonder and of worship. Somebody, some among them said, look what large stones, look what big buildings. Everybody marveled at the grandeur that was around them. So you can imagine the display of the disciples when Jesus said, you see these big buildings? Not one stone will be left upon one another. All of them are going to be thrown down. All will be thrown down? Really? Who invited apocalyptic Jesus to this party? Spoiling the mood. All will be thrown down. What happened to the coming to me, all of you who weary or heavy, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest? Well, buckle your seatbelts, good Christian friends, because Advent is just around the corner, and apocalyptic Jesus is sitting at the wheel. Who does he think he is talking about the temple's demise when he's there at the temple? Can we relate to the frustration that the disciples must have felt on that occasion? We love our houses, don't we? We like them. We love our cars. We love our clothes. We love our health, our wealth. We like to have shiny buildings in our cities. We like to have thriving metropolises. We like to have the world's most powerful military. They make us feel safe, these things do. We'd rather not hear that moths destroy and rust consumes, and that our possessions are short-lived, they're temporary and but like a mist. We don't want to lose our material status. This economic system works for us, and we move mountains to prevent its being shaped. We take a dark fear because we know that eventually we die. And all the things we have amassed stay right here. Everything we build on earth stays here, and we're gone. Mortality is a scary thing. Talk of the end, and most people prefer to talk about something else. But most of the Gospels are filled with talk that come from Messianic and apocalyptic Jews who spent their days waiting for the end. That's why the upcoming Advent readings are full of end-time prognostications. Our spiritual ancestors expected the end to happen very soon, some of them perhaps within months. They were anxious to know when all of this was going to go down. For example, the Essene community. John the Baptist seems to have been part of that Essene community. They got as far away from civilization as they possibly could. They got out into the caves by the Dead Sea, literally training there for a cosmic battle, literally getting ready for Armageddon. And like it or not, those people are part of our spiritual story. They asked with pain and anxiety, how do we live in the present when we don't know about the future? We know today, but we wonder about tomorrow. So Jesus forecast the temple destruction. His disciples all also are wondering, how are we going to live today when we don't know when this is going to happen? How can we possibly live with any degree of certainty, assurance, even calmness, when we see all of this hanging over us in the future? The gospel writers 
certainly agreed on the importance of the story that Jesus told about the temple. Because not only do we find it in Luke in today's gospel, Mark tells a similar story in chapter, 20, in, uh, chapter 13. Matthew records it in chapter 24. And John alludes to the destruction of the temple in chapter 2. As Matthew and Mark recount this event, the disciples appear to be pretty nervous. They catch Jesus at the lunch break. They're sitting up on the Mount of Olives. They're looking across the valley at the temple. They're eating their bread and olives and drinking their wine. And Peter and Andrew and James and John say to Jesus, now tell us, when's this going to happen? What's going to be the sign that all these things are going to be accomplished? And Jesus is somewhat less than helpful. He says, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. These must take place. Well, thanks, Jesus. We ask you when and you tell us bad stuff's going to happen. When has bad stuff not been happening? How do we live today when we don't know about tomorrow? Come on now, Jesus. We really want to know we got to make plans. we got to get ready for Thanksgiving. we got company coming. we got people coming for Christmas. we got a whole New Year. It's going to be here New Year's Sunday. I expect to see you. <laughs> How do we make ready for the New Year? How do we live in the present when we don't know anything about the future? This is a very disturbing reading that we have this morning, and perhaps it's unwise to release the tension that this reading creates in our hearts. Because you see, coming to church is not about feeling good. Easy answers make good bumper stickers, but real life is somewhat more complex. In place of an easy answer, consider what Jesus offers to all of us. Instead of an easy answer, Jesus offers us the profound truth that God is still in charge. God calls us to love with radical abandon. This is less of a dream. It's a, more of a concrete movement. We don't know what comes tomorrow, but we do know that God calls us today to love our neighbor as ourselves and to work tirelessly toward a just society and try to create a loving community. How do we live in the present when we don't know the future? Well, we partner with God, because that's all that we have. God has work for us to do. What we're doing right now this Sunday morning is just the start. Jesus, you see, started a revolution. He started a revolution which the last the first. The proud get scattered. The lowly are filled with good things. The rich are sent away hungry. Jesus started a revolution in which the sick get healed, the poor get blessed, and we're all the loved children of God. Jesus started a revolution, but its continuation depends on us. Are we in? Are we part of it? When we read in today's story the context of Luke's full gospel, Jesus drops the temple bomb just as he's beginning to set his face toward Jerusalem. All will be thrown down, he says, perhaps also including in that the implication of his own death. And it was so. The Roman army would destroy Jerusalem in the year 70. The temple would be wrecked. Soldiers would pillage it. They would murder women and children. 
They destroy everything that Israel held dear. Yet death never gets the last word. Jerusalem arose from the Roman ashes. Jesus died a brutal death at the hands of the military state, but that was Friday. Sunday rolled around, and the stone rolled away with it. Resurrection strolled out of the empty tomb, and God is still in charge. Remember, though, that Jesus doesn't promise easy living. Jesus does not say that the temple remains and that we avoid death. Jesus does not say that Jerusalem endures and we avoid pain. Jesus does promise that God is with us to the end of the age, that God is still in charge, that we can trust in God, but we can no longer trust in anything else. So what do we do today when we don't know about tomorrow? We're trying to figure out what God is up to in the world today, and we seek humbly to get on board with that project. Have you ever prayed in a time of uncertainty? Have you ever prayed in a time of waiting? Consider mothers waiting to give birth. A baby is growing in their body. When will she deliver? What's going to happen to that child? What's going to happen to that child's children? Consider parents who have just applied for a job. Are they going to get it? Will they be able to pay the mortgage? Will they be able to continue to feed the family? How soon are we going to get an answer to that interview we just went to? Consider the teenager who's applying to college. Where are they going to spend the next four years of their lives? Where will their friends be? How will our family cope with their empty chair? Joyfully sometimes, quite frankly. <laughs> Consider the cancer patient dying from the inside out. Am I going to die? Is it going to hurt? What am I going to say to the kids if it comes to that? I know it's come my last day. What happens then? Have you ever prayed in a time of uncertainty? Have you ever prayed in a time of waiting? Consider the poetic beauty of today's reading from Isaiah. For the people who knew exactly what it meant to see the temple destroyed, for they had witnessed one in a war they lost, God was saying to them, See, I'm about to create new heavens, a new earth. The former things will not be remembered or even come to mind. So be glad and rejoice in what I'm creating. How do we live today when we don't know about tomorrow? Well, we draw strength from God who invites our participation and who endures long after the cities and buildings and stones have crumbled and gone away. We adopt a posture that asks not what God can do for us, but calls us to bring to bring the kingdom of God just a little bit closer. We love our neighbors as ourselves, and we look for a stable planet, for new heavens and a new earth. We pray without ceasing and trust in a mighty God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and affirm our faith.